0: I was a pastor in Brooklyn Heights for a number of years and recently uh, moved to a new position in higher ed, and um, I do this every so often, (laughs) a little preaching, because I love and believe that God wants to speak to his people, and that's why I'm here. It's a beautiful moment to stand before people, for you to stand with me, and for you to anticipate hearing from God, because... We need to hear from him. We need to be directed by him. This morning I'm going to preach from John 1. I'm going to read it and then pray and then get into the text a bit. But it's a familiar passage possibly. It's a conversation between Jesus and some of his first followers. He basically defines what a Christian is in this text and directs his people to a certain place way of life. So let me read this text, John 1, 35 and following. The next day, John, that is John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, what do you Want? What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come. He replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come, and you will see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no false, nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe me because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that, he said. I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. This is the word of God. Thank you. Father, we are grateful for this text, and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would break through the insecurities, the unanswered questions, the frustrations, the scary things of life, that you would speak to us because we need to hear your voice. And so we ask that you would speak in a way all of us can hear. And we thank you for this moment. And we ask that your spirit now would move in the hearts of all of us. And despite my weaknesses, that you would speak through me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just want to begin with a very simple question that may not be that simple, but what is a Christian? What is a Christian? I think the answer is quite multifaceted. It's like a prism, you know, one of those things you hold in your hand, and when you shine it, or point it towards the light and you twist it every, uh, uh, every little bit or just a bit, you see a new color as you twist it. And I think the same with this answer. Depending on who you are and your background, what's important to you, you might answer this question a bit differently than the person next to you. What is a Christian? I think it's interesting that sometimes how we answer this question is determined on where we are in the journey of our faith. You know, for example, when we not necessarily speak about what it is to be a Christian, but water, when you are a child and someone asks you, what is water? Well, it's what you drink. It's what fills rivers and oceans. It's a very simple answer, but as time moves on, maybe you get more education, more experience, The answer about water gets more complicated. It's a mixture of atoms and molecules and takes on complex properties. And again, I think the same is true when you think about what a Christian might be. As you move through your life, the answer may change. You know, for example, when you are a child or you're new in your faith, whether you're five or 40 years old, Being a Christian, or what is a Christian? Someone whose sins are forgiven, or someone who believes in Jesus, or someone who's baptized. Very simple answer, but with time, the answer may change, depending on who you read, who you listen to, the community you partake in, and this is not a bad thing, it is the way it goes. This is the path, but the danger is this, we lose sight of the simplicity of what Christianity is all about. And we might partake in debates and arguments as our answer gets more complex. We may dig in our heels and disagree with the person next to us and demand our way is the right way. And we exclude those who disagree with us. And this too, unfortunately, is often the journey of faith. My hope this morning is to bring us back to simplicity. Again, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 40 years, and the reason is this is because there's beauty in simplicity. There's access, there's hope. And in simplicity we remember that Christianity is not just a list of beliefs things that we adhere to, it's a way of life. It's a way of life we give ourselves moment by moment. And so what is a Christian? Well, again, I think there are a variety of ways we may approach this answer, but this morning we're looking at this text, and I think the way Jesus would answer it is the way he answers it when he says, Follow me. Follow me. A Christian is someone who follows Jesus. We hear this invitation, see this invitation all the time, particularly on social media, right? If you partake in such things, I see the invitation all the time, and I follow particular people. And if you're very curious about who I am, you need to know this, that on places like Instagram, I I follow a disproportionately uh, number of middle-aged men who are fitness instructors. And the reason is this, is because I want to be healthy. I want to eat well, feel good. When you follow someone, you're inviting them into your life to influence you, to direct you to direct you and move you into a particular way of life. And this is what a Christian is. Someone who follows Jesus. And again, it's not someone who believes they are following Jesus. Rather, they are following Jesus. Not perfectly, but it is an intention that you set with your life. I am following Jesus now, today, in my life. Jesus invites us to follow him because he wants something for us. And I think this is why he moves into this definition of what Christianity is. He wants something for you and for me. He wants people, something for all people through all time. But the question is, what does he want for you? What does he want for me? Well, I think the answer is found in verse 39. Come, And you will see. See, at the core of being a Christian and following Jesus is an invitation to come and see. This is what Jesus says to those he earlier said to follow him. Of course, this is in the context of Jesus being asked, where are you staying? But I think the application applies to this question of what it means to follow Jesus. It means to come and see. To say this differently, Jesus wants us to follow him because Uh, Jesus wants us to follow him, but he doesn't immediately tell us or show us where we are going. He simply says, follow me so that you can come and see. In essence, following Jesus is an invitation to let go of control, certainty, and knowing. And this is what a Christian is. This is what following Jesus is, that you come and see. Now, this morning, this is what I want to look at, what this actually means for us today as we live our life, as we move from this place into our lives at home, at work, walking the streets. There's two aspects to this that I want us to see, and they're an invitation. An invitation is this, an invitation to welcome the now and an invitation to welcome God's presence. This is what it means to follow Jesus, to come and see And to hear this invitation to welcome the now and welcome God's presence. First, it's an invitation to welcome the now. You see, in verse 39, Jesus is talking to two people. One we know and one we don't. We know it's Andrew and the other is unnamed, but we know by tradition it's John, the author of this gospel. The person we hear of from time to time who's defined or described as the one whom Jesus loved. But imagine for a moment, put yourself in that moment where you hear the voice of Jesus speaking to these two men and you hear him say, come and you will see. You want to follow me? Come and you will see. You notice that he doesn't ask them, now is a good time. He doesn't ask them, what burdens do you carry? He doesn't ask you what questions you're being asked. He doesn't ask anything about them. He just simply says, come and you will see. Come now. Walk now. You see, the invitation was not for yesterday. It was not for tomorrow. It was now. Come now. And do you hear this invitation to you? This voice of Jesus. Follow me right now so that you can come and see. And my issue is again that he doesn't consider what is happening in your life or mine. He doesn't ask us if now is a good time. But he simply invites us. And it's not because he doesn't care about the circumstances you find yourself in. And it's not because he doesn't care about the burdens you bear uh, carry but he invites you to come and see now because of your burdens, because of your circumstances. To follow Jesus means to come and see now, this moment. It's also an invitation to come and welcome God's presence. You see, Jesus invites Andrew and John into his presence But we know that Jesus is no ordinary man. At the time, he's simply just saying, come and follow me and you will see where I live. But we know from the beginning of this gospel that this Jesus is the divine who has taken up human flesh and dwelt among us. And now that this Jesus is dwelling with Andrew and John, and what do Andrew do? They welcome him. And this is no small point. They could have not welcomed him. They could have said, now is not a good time. They could have walked away. They could have said, I don't know you. I don't trust you. I don't know what you're about. But rather, they welcome him. And in so doing, they welcome God's presence. And do you notice that this step of welcoming God's presence is an opening oneself up to God? And it's a step that leads to greater intimacy. It's a risk. It's a risk with anyone to, op- to, to walk with them, to open yourself up to their presence. But what we see in the life of Jesus, as, a, as we do so, it leads to a life of greater intimacy because this Andrew and John, as they walked, they spent the day with him, they got to know him, they saw where he lived. It's a moment of greater intimacy. But to come and see means to welcome God's presence now. Because God is now present. What does that look like exactly? What does it look like to welcome God's presence now? What does it feel like? What emotions go into your head? Well, I think to answer this question, we can look at the life of John, the man who wrote these words, And ask him, for John, what did it mean for you to welcome God's presence now, to walk in that intention? Well, it meant to welcome a life of being reoriented around Jesus, to embrace his values and priorities, to let go of what you see as important, and to ask Jesus, what is it that I ought to value? What is it that I ought to give my life to? And so welcoming God's presence now, following him is, a, is being reoriented, is having your life reoriented around Jesus. It also means being welcomed to a life with the poor. The poor in spirit, the poverty, those in, po- in poverty, those emotionally poor. You see, Jesus, as he walked the road, as he lived his life, he spent time with the poor. He spent time at the table with the spiritually poor, the emotionally poor, the mentally poor. And this was his life, and this is what it meant for John. It reoriented his life with the poor. It also meant John welcomed a life of uncertainty. You know, Jesus had no place to lay his head, and John walked with him day in and day out. And following him, welcoming God's presence now, he was led into that kind of life where he didn't know what tomorrow would bring. Oftentimes, he did not know where he would get food. But he welcomed this kind of life. He welcomed a life of death and resurrection, of falling and rising. You see, this is the trajectory of the Christian life in many ways. We see it in the life of Jesus. He was known and loved by many, people worshiped him, people loved him, but then they took his life. He died, he fell. Only to be risen, rose to uh, only to rise to new life, and this life of Jesus is the pattern of the Christian life, and it is what John welcomed. See if you know John's life. He walked with Jesus. He saw him die. He saw him rise from the dead. As he led Jesus, as he led as a as an apostle, uh, a life as an apostle. He was later taken captive, and he was imprisoned, and exiled to the to the island of Patmos. That's what it looked like for him. Mm-hmm. You ever hear of Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now? That wasn't John. Yeah. Not physically, at least, in the sense of one mountaintop after another. It was a life of falling and rising. It was a life of loss. But welcome, John also welcomed the life of being Abandoned being isolated. We see this in his later days. But ultimately, this welcoming the now, welcoming the God's present, meant welcoming a life of love, where he loved, but more importantly, knew the life of, and love of God in Jesus. Following Jesus is welcoming God's presence now, into a life of poor, uh, with the life with the poor, the uncertainty, hope, abandonment, and love. And this welcome is not simply an acceptance of your circumstances, in a posture of having no power or wanting to change things, but rather it is a fundamental belief, moment by moment, where you are welcoming this moment now and setting your intention into God's presence, being directed by Him, being loved by Him. Just wanna apply this for us and really ask the question, what does this look like? I don't know about you, but I'm tired. And some of you I'm sure are as well. I'm tired of not knowing what tomorrow will bring. I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm tired of wearing a mask. I'm tired of getting a test. I'm tired of telling my kids to get off their devices because they're not in school. I'm tired of watching people die. I'm tired of watching people suffer. I'm tired of people living in isolation. I'm tired of financial instability. I'm tired of so many things. Are you tired? What are you tired of? How much mental energy do you put towards this fatigue and wondering how long it will last? How much mental energy do you put towards wondering if your financial situation will change when you get that next job or next promotion? You know, if you were able to get some sort of device that was able to record your thoughts internally or externally, what would it say? what is the mental chatter that's occupying your mind? How is this fatigue being expressed? How many hours of your day is directed towards those things? I think for me, it would be quite a bit. Because this is no game. This is no sort of man standing up here whose life's better than yours. This is real life in the trenches. It's fatiguing, it's tiring. It's exhausting. It is a hard time right now. And even when this pandemic is over, maybe the difficulty will continue. Maybe you've lived your whole life in difficulty. Maybe your whole life has been given to addiction and pain and frustration, being abandoned. How much mental energy do you give to wishing those things? didn't happen and I don't want to say that that's wasted energy but I'm simply asking you what is your intention is your intention just this internal sort of sense of wishing everything goes away or wanting to change your circumstances wanting a different life but maybe Christianity is pretty simple Maybe Christianity is recognizing that though we are all tired of it. Maybe Christianity is simply saying embrace your life, follow Jesus now. The invitation is now. God's presence is here now. How are things for you? How do you feel? What are you thinking? The invitation is to recognize that right now, wherever you are this morning, God's invitation is to follow him. To receive that invitation to welcome the now, all the feelings, all the frustration of now, to welcome it. Not to push it away, not to act like it's not here, but to welcome it. And to recognize that in that welcoming of the present moment, you are welcoming God's presence into that moment. Why should we respond to this invitation? Why should we respond to that kind of life, this welcome, this welcome of whatever it is that sits before us? Well, do you notice how this story began? I realized the text was read a bit ago, but something happened at the beginning that is very profound. We are told that Andrew and John are following a man named John the Baptist, and the reason they are following him is probably because they thought and believed John would give them something. They thought they would receive something. But then they see Jesus and their direction is shifted. And as it's directed, do you remember what Jesus asked them? Anybody? What did Jesus ask? What do you want? You ever have somebody ask you that question? What is it that you want? What do you really want? Let me ask you, what do you want? If you could have anything this morning, what would you want? Would it be a friend? Would it be a spouse? Would it be more money? Would it be a new job? Would it be a different city? Would it be warm? Yeah, I say that bit. What do you want? You see, Christianity, do you realize, is a religion? More so, it's a person who's real, who lives among us, who says and sees you and says, "What is it that you want? Do you realize the God that you followed Jesus asks you that? What do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? And perhaps, if we really answer the question with this or that, more money, more this, more that, maybe that is pointing to a deeper desire of our heart that Jesus can really fulfill. You see, Jesus says, what do you want? And he says, come and see Come and see. Come and see if I actually can deliver. Come and see if I can actually give you the deepest longings of your heart. Come and see. Are you going and seeing this morning? Yeah, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what later this afternoon will bring. But are you coming and seeing? Are you moving into this life of uncertainty? Because Jesus asked, what do you want? Do you trust that he asked that because he can give you That which you want. Do you believe that's true? It's a huge risk. It was for John, it was for Andrew, and it's for you. And I don't want to minimize it. This is the life of faith. This is what it means to be a Christian. You see, this is not simply a list of beliefs. It is actually reorienting your life and letting go of control, embracing uncertainty, Trusting that the deepest lung of your heart, the thing that you want, Jesus asked because he can deliver. What did they want? What did they really want? What do you really want? And again, there are things that we want that we really need. And Jesus is very concerned about such things. He feeds people, he clothes people, he does all sorts of things. But in this moment, it's almost an existential question where he asks, What do you want? Because he knows that to be a human being means to be a desiring human being. We want things, and we are unsettled because that which we want, we often don't have. But Jesus asks, What do you want? You see, Jesus invites us to follow him, to welcome the present moment. Because the thing that we want is only in this moment. And what is it that we want? What is it that Andrew and John wanted? They wanted the presence of God in Jesus. Do you believe that? That's what they wanted. And it's interesting to know, maybe they didn't even know that's what they wanted. Many people spend a whole lifetime going for this or that, but what they ultimately want is God's presence. They want to hear his voice saying, I love you, I accept you, you're forgiven. This moment now where we receive these things, and more so, it's a moment for us to realize. The thing we most desperately need and want is available to us right now by faith. It is here before you and me. Why is this so important? We spend so much of our time and mental energy dreaming of a different life and different circumstances. When we run from this or that, or feel shame or feel heartbroken, We want to run away from it. We don't want our circumstances. We don't want our life. But maybe it is our life as it is that's God's gift to us because now we can welcome it because in so doing we welcome the presence of God. This is something that I've come to know and believe as a Christian and it's a practice And I think this is why Chris sat here this morning and had a moment of stillness. Do you remember what he said at the beginning? It's a moment for us to be still and be powerless and to sit and just relinquish control, embrace the uncertainty. You see, what we do in that moment of stillness and silence, it's a practice that we can live moment by moment. We can take that and move into the world open-handed, knowing that we can welcome the moment because it is in this moment that God exists, that he is healing, forgiving, renewing. You see, we don't have to run away. We don't have to wish for a different life. We can welcome the now open-handedly because now is a moment of healing. A prayer I pray very frequently is a prayer by Thomas Keaton. And I think I gave it to you. Um, If so, could put it up here. And it's a prayer that I think is so profound. It's called the welcome prayer. And it's this, welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within me. Amen. Is it possible that this prayer, this invitation to follow Jesus, is the most beautiful, fulfilling kind of life there is? And I think it is. Because it is a moment we receive that which we were created to receive God's presence and love. And the invitation is for you to welcome, to welcome, not run away, not wish for something different, not get angry not self-medicate, but to welcome your life, to welcome and let go of power and control that you may open yourself up to the love of God and his healing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.